The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. So this is it. This is the end. This is the final record that we have of the Apostle Paul's writings. I could imagine that something transpired in the prison that kind of clued Paul in to know that his time is coming to a close. He's hopeful that maybe he's going to get to see some of his friends before he's executed. Probably not likely, but he tries to remain hopeful and optimistic. The feeling that he gets during his prison sentence this time is different from all of the other times he had been captured and all the other times he had spent in prison because there's something different about this prison time. He has a sense, he has a knowing that this one's different. This is probably it. Paul thinks about his friends. He thinks about those who have journeyed with him. He thinks about those who have betrayed him. He thinks about those who have deserted him. He thinks about those who have stuck with him through thick and thin. And then he thinks about Timothy, the young man that looked up to him as a father figure, a mentor, kind of a hero of the faith. And he wants to write these final words to Timothy as his last words that we have record of that he wrote. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes, I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Here Paul is writing something very interesting. He makes a reference to who God is as a judge. He says this is in the presence of the judge, Jesus Christ, who is going to both judge the living and the dead. I'm charging you in the presence of this kind of God who literally holds everything in His hands, who spoke the world into existence, and who we should not forget is the judge. I'm reminding you, Timothy, to preach the Word. Be ready when you feel like preaching and when you don't. Always be ready to use the Word of God in a moment's notice to bring teaching, correction, maybe even rebuking someone. Be ready always at all times. Make sure you do this with patience. Make sure you do this with a heart to teach because this is what you're called to do and your God who has called you to do it is a God that should not be taken lightly. So Paul was saying, Timothy, take God seriously. Take your calling seriously. So many times in our day and age, man, we really miss this. We miss taking seriously the one in whom we serve and the the one who has called us. And I think that if there's been a theme throughout this book that we could see, it's that we need to get serious about who God has created us to be and the fact that we are serving the holy God, the creator of the universe. Have we stopped to think about that? Have we stopped to think about the fact that God, who just simply spoke into nothing and everything was created, 
everything out of just a word that was given, that was just spoken, out of nothing. God's words formed everything that we know. And He cares about me enough to speak to me and to call me and to give me opportunity to serve Him and to be in a leadership position or to be in a position of influence or to be able to speak the Word of God, to be able to preach the Holy Scriptures that are Holy Spirit, God-inspired, God-breathed. He's given this opportunity to Him. He said, you better take this seriously, buddy. You better take this seriously. We had better take our calling seriously because we take our God seriously. Proverbs 9 and 10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's that fear of the Lord taking Him seriously. That's where it starts. We've got to take God seriously and we've got to take our calling seriously. And Paul was letting Timothy know as these final words that he was writing, you had better not forget the task at hand and the one in whom you're doing it for. Because the same God that called Paul and the same God that called Timothy has called you. And he's called me. Now, you may not have been called to be a pastor or teacher of Scripture or called to be an apostle like Paul. But yet he has still called every one of us and gifted us. And we need to take seriously the stewardship of the gifts that God has called us and given us and equipped us with. Even Paul reminded Timothy early on in this letter. He said, I remind you therefore, Timothy, to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. There's something on the inside of you that you need to take seriously and it's your responsibility to stir it up. It's your responsibility to make sure that this thing happens because Paul was telling Timothy, I'm not always going to be around. I'm not always going to be there. You're not always going to be able to just dial up the pastor. You're not always going to be able to just pull out that book from your favorite Christian author and find the answer to the problem that you're facing or be able to deal with the situation you're dealing with. He said, you need to make sure you take responsibility in what God has gifted you in and what He's called you to do and that you're stewarding that with eternity in mind, that you're looking at it from an eternal perspective and that you're not just spending the rest of your life trying to make it easier for you and more comfortable for you. I think that if we were all in a room and, and maybe the situation's happened to you where there's a few chairs in the room that are like, you know, old school, wooden, hardback chairs, and then there's a recliner. And you walk in with your friends and everybody's going to sit down and nobody wants to be the first person to sit down in the recliner. Or maybe you're that person. I don't know. Maybe you are. You know who you are if you are that person. But you walk into a room and you see obvious uncomfortable furniture and then you see a piece of furniture that looks really comfortable and it's almost like it has your name on it. Even if you don't sit there because you're being polite, you still would rather sit there and you're kind of wondering, man, if they get up to go to the restroom, that chair is mine. Because we want comfort, man. We seek it out. If we have the option, of course we want to take the most comfortable option. There's something in us that looks for comfort. There's something in us that looks for something that makes sense. It's easy to make decisions when all the numbers add up. It's easier to make decisions when everyone's high-fiving you and cheering you on and telling you, go for it. You can do it. I believe in you. Let me know what you need. I'll help take care of you. Oh, and you know that they mean it. And Man, it's easy to go, oh, sure, I can do this for the Lord if I have all these people in my corner and I have all the resources I need and it all just makes sense and it just, it's just easy. 
But so many times we don't see that's the way that Christ said it's going to be. But we seek it. We want it. Man, we want it to be easy. Oh, we want it to be easy. But Jesus said, hey, come follow me. I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. A guy said, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, foxes, don't, foxes have holes and birds have nests. He said, I don't know where I'm spending the night tonight. I'm homeless. Come follow me. Jesus said that whoever puts his hand to the plow and then turns and backs away from it said, he, he's unfit. Oh my goodness, that's, that's heavy. That's serious. Jesus said, deny yourself if you want to follow me and then take up your cross. That's hard stuff. But that's what he's calling us to do, to take up our cross, to follow him, to deny ourselves, to take him seriously, that when he says something, he's not just wanting us to just go seek comfort for the rest of our lives because we're not always going to be in situations that always make sense and we're not always going to be able to do things that make us comfortable or that just come easy to us. God wants to stretch us. He's wanting to challenge us. He's wanting us to get uncomfortable. But man, we don't like that. Because it's just that. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, but it's for our good and it's for His glory. And should we not forget, folks, that He's the one who has called us. And when we take Him seriously, we say, yes, Lord, it's uncomfortable, but yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll spend my time how you want me to spend it. I'll spend my resources and my gifts and my abilities the way you want me to spend them and steward them. Yes, Lord, I'm going to put you first in every area of my life, and I want to live my life in a way that would bring you glory. And if it makes me uncomfortable, then so be it. And guess what? If you're really following the Lord, there will be seasons and times where you will definitely be uncomfortable. It's part of being a Christ follower. It's part of the deal. And Paul got this. Timothy was afraid a little bit dealt with a little intimidation. And Paul said, listen, that fear that you're dealing with, Timothy, it doesn't come from the Lord. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, man. So that fear you're feeling is not from the Lord. Matter of fact, make your calling and your election sure. Make sure that you, that you move forward and, and that you do what God has called you to do. And he told Timothy, it's got me in prison. And it's worth it because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul understood he got it. He understood his why. That's why the same author, Paul, could also write Romans 12 and 1, where he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's a challenge. There's something we're supposed to die to ourselves and live for Christ because whoever loves his life is going to lose it, Jesus said. But whoever loses it for my sake is going to find it. And I've been asking the Lord, what does that mean lately? Because He's been challenging me. He's been stretching me personally. And I've been asking the Lord, what does this mean? And there's been little things that He's shown me along the way that He's been dealing with me about. And He's keeping me in this state of, of just being, being very, very tender towards what He's wanting to do in my heart. And it's uncomfortable. And it's almost like, Lord, what are you requiring of me? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to give up? What do you want me to start? What do you want? Because it's all about you, Lord. 
we were talking about selling some stuff at the house, and my wife and I were having this discussion, and, oh, I think we could, you know, make this much money if we sold this or sold that, you know, if we did this, did that, and we were just trying to have some decisions about what we wanted to do with some stuff that was just sitting in our home, and I looked at my wife, and I said, I think God wants us to give it away, and my wife's like, well, I don't think so, <laughs> and I said, yeah, I, I think God wants us to give it away, and she said, okay, <sighs> And we had to talk about it for a minute because it was a challenge because those things were things that, hey, man, we could have made some bank on. We would have been like, hey, this would help out and we'd be able to do this and do that. And the Lord just challenges you and said, no, it's mine anyways. I want you to give it away. Okay, Lord, so we start giving stuff away. But that's uncomfortable. That's a stretch. I mean, especially when you know you can make some coin off of it, you know, right? Especially when you would want to sleep in earlier especially when you have things that maybe your friends invited you to go do, and, oh, yeah, that sounds great. I'll, I'm going to go do this with my friends, but then, you know, God's tugging on you to do something else that's a sacrifice, because remember, a sacrifice is something that should make us uncomfortable, amen? If it's comfortable, it's not really a sacrifice. You know, if, if, if I've got $100 of expendable income that I don't need that has no purpose, and God tells me to give it away, well, that's easy because I've got it. It's expendable. It had no purpose. If I had a hundred dollars that I was going to do something with that I had some plans for, I was going to go enjoy myself and go, you know, eat a nice, you know, dinner with my wife. And God says, I want you to give that hundred dollars to this or that. And I go, whoa, I don't know about that. I had plans for this. And then I have to still obey then that sacrifice because it's me giving up something. If, if I made plans on the weekend to go do something with friends, and God says, I want you to make plans to go do something for me, and it was something that was really uncomfortable, that I, but I had these plans. Yeah, but God says, yeah, I want, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to give up. That's sacrifice. That's me dying to myself. And, and those of you that are married, you're, you live this all the time. You have a decision to make. Are you going to sacrifice? Yeah, I know you don't want to serve your spouse that way. You don't want to do that for them. They can do it themselves. They got legs. They got arms. They can go do it themselves. But what's the Christ-like attitude that he's calling you to in that moment? What's the sacrifice? Is it to get off the couch? Is it to, you know, turn the television off? That's, that's sacrifice when you're doing something you don't necessarily want to do in that moment, but you understand why it is that you're doing it. And we're called to be a living sacrifice, not just in those moments like that that I described, but, but for God in every day, in every moment for His glory, for our benefit. That's what He's calling us to. Let's keep reading verse 3. For the time is coming, He's telling Timothy, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Paul goes back to reminding Timothy here of the why. This is why you need to take your calling seriously, Timothy. This is why you need to be patient. This is why you need to continue to teach and preach because there are people who are getting some really bad doctrine and they need to hear the truth. Because he said there's coming a time where people are going to actually seek out for themselves. People are going to tell them what they want to hear. And it's going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And don't we see that in our day and age? 
man, if you don't like what somebody's teaching, if it doesn't suit your fancy, if it doesn't tickle your ears, if it doesn't make you happy, it's too challenging, oh, that's too hard of a word. Well, if it's the genuine, true, uh, you know, unadulterated word of God that is being preached, uh, and someone isn't just putting their own spin on it for manipulation purposes, it's just what God said and what God requires and what God is asking of us, yeah, it may be difficult, it may be hard, it may be challenging, well, I don't want to hear that. I don't, want to, I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to read that. Well, you can find someone who's not teaching that. I promise you there's plenty of people out there that don't want to talk about taking up your cross and following Him. There's plenty of people that want to talk about seven steps to a happier, healthier, wealthier, whatever. And Jesus said, whoever loves his life is going to lose, and whoever loses life for my sake is going to find it. Uh, that's in the Bible. We're not making that stuff up. We're not just twisting scriptures to try to suit our needs. No, we look at what Jesus said and we go, we're taking God and our calling seriously. And so if he's calling us to step it up, then we need to step it up and take this thing seriously. Because where we're going, compromise can't come along. Where God is calling us to, complacency and apathy, there's no such thing as a casual, apathetic Christian. There's a casual, apathetic person that may be religious in nature, but are they really a Christ follower? No, to be a Christ follower, it means that we take up our cross. Paul said daily. We take it up daily because we have to remind ourselves of the great price that Christ paid. And when we remind ourselves of the great price that Christ paid for our freedom and to restore us in the right, right relationship with a holy and perfect God, Man, that should be all the motivation we need to say, Lord, I'm all yours. I'm all yours. Because when I begin to think that I'm somehow good in and of myself, then I begin to think I can be selective at what I give God. Who do we think we are? Who do we think we are that we can approach a holy God, the creator of everything, and we can be selective with what we want to give him? oh yeah, God, I'm only giving you this, or I'm God, I'm only going to spend this much time living for you or serving you. I'm going to do my own thing over here. Who do we think we are? We're not taking God seriously. We're not taking our calling seriously when we do that. That's why Paul said, hey, there's going to be people that are teaching stuff that, that man, it's going to sound pleasant to their ears, and they are going to love it. They're going to eat it up because it's super comfortable and it's super easy. And we just love it. Oh, yes, it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy and tingly inside. I don't find in Scripture where it says the goal is to feel warm, fuzzy, and tingly. If you know where that is, show me. I'd be interested. Now, he did say that my yoke is easy and my burden's light. He did say that. And there is joy in this journey. There is peace that passes our understanding. There is a comfort that we have in knowing Him and knowing that we are His and, and that we are a part of that forever family of God. There is a peace that floods our hearts with that, but there should also be a passion that floods our heart if we know what we've been saved from. And that we don't forget who we serve and who has called us. And secondly, Paul tells Timothy, don't give up on people. He said, don't give up on these people. Be, be patient. Be ready. Always be ready to preach the Word. Be, be gentle. Be patient. They want fluffy teaching, but be patient with them and don't stop preaching to them. Don't give up on them because, man, that, that's what we want to do so many times. 
When people don't respond the way we want them to respond, we throw our hands up in the air and say, I'm done with this. He said, don't do that. He said, he said be patient with these people because they are looking for the easy way. They are looking for the comfortable message. They're not looking for the challenge. They're not looking for the truth. But you need to preach the truth whether you feel like it and when you don't. Be ready in season and out of season. Study to show yourself approved. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He's telling them, he said, you need to speak it truthfully. You need to speak it clearly. You need to make sure they understand it. But you also need to be patient with the people that you're preaching and you're teaching and you're leading. There are people in your life. There's people you work with, people you live with. The God is calling you to be patient and gentle with them, but not stop speaking the truth to them in love. Maybe your consistency and your pursuit of God becomes attractive to them over time, and, and God doesn't want you to give up on them. Yeah, I know they may have cussed you out the other day. Yeah, I know it looks like it's hopeless. But man, aren't those the stories that bring amazing glory to God? The ones that were like, man, that person was hopeless. I can't believe God saved that person. You know, people say like, he really got saved. <laughs> we all really got saved. Just some people, some people's struggles and sins are more obvious than others because some of us do a better job of hiding it than others. But we still have all been saved from much. We've all been saved because we, 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 if we profess Christ as our Lord and Savior and have put our hope and our trust in Him, then we all understand that, man, we cannot obtain righteousness, forgiveness, salvation, and reconciliation with God on our own. And Jesus did it for us. And so we're not supposed to give up on people because Jesus didn't give up on people. As a matter of fact, the very people that were persecuting him, whipping him, mocking him, laughing at him, when he was hanging on a cross, what did he say to them? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He still has his love and compassion for them and towards them. Let's keep reading verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who, has lo who have loved his appearing. Here Paul was acknowledging that his life had been like a drink offering that was being poured out to God. A drink offering is something where they would take wine and they would pour it on the altar before they would offer an animal sacrifice. And so Paul's saying, my life has been like that pouring out. It's been like emptied. My life that I've given it to just serve God because I'm doing it for Him. He mentioned several times in his letters to the churches that he was doing this as unto the Lord, and he was instructing those who were in the churches to do whatever they're doing as unto the Lord, no matter what it is, whether it's eating or drinking or sleeping, going to work, whatever it is, do it as unto the Lord. And he says, everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. And if you do, your life will be like that drink offering that's being poured out. And Paul was saying, my time is coming near. Paul was likening his life to this offering because it was almost empty. But he even said this in 2 Corinthians 12 and 15. He said, I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. He said, I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. He said, I'm doing this out of a heart of joy, 
Not so you'll you know, erect some memorial to me and talk about how great that I am and, and everyone will remember Paul. No, so people will come to know Christ. He said, that's why I did it, because I know who I'm serving. I know who has called me, and I'm taking my God and my calling seriously. And so I look at my life as a, as a drink offering, and I've just been poured out, and I'll gladly spend my life and be spent for your souls. And the second half of that verse says, even though the more I love you, the less it seems like I'm loved. Man, that's got to stink, right? Because it's easy to love people when they love you back. It's easy to say, hey, pastor, you're doing a great job. I love you. It's great, man. Everything's awesome. Hey, Paul, man, you know that sermon you preached the other day? Man, I've been thinking about that all week. Man, that was so great. Not people deserting him, abandoning him, throwing him in jail. He said, hey, it seems like the more that I love you, the more I spend time praying for you, the more I spend time serving you, the more time I spend on my knees for you, the more time I spend actually loving on you, it seems like I'm not getting that back. And sometimes God calls us to do things where it does feel very one-sided, it feels like the more that we're doing the right thing for God, that we're not getting that in return. That's where we have to be grounded and remind ourselves who it is that we serve and why it is we do what we do. Do we do it for the approval of other people? Do we do it so everyone will like us? Is this, this is some big popularity contest? Or are we doing it for the Lord? And if we're doing it for the Lord, yeah, you're going to meet some opposition, Timothy. You're going to meet some people that don't get it, that won't get on board with it, where someone will criticize you. Oh, yeah, they're just on their little Jesus trip again. Yeah, they're all, they're all excited about Jesus. Don't worry, it'll blow over in a few weeks. They went to that church over there, you know, the cult, where they're, you know, telling them, you know, to give up everything to follow Jesus. You know, they preach out of the Bible. They're getting all excited about Jesus. Oh, he, oh honey, you want to wake up? You may even get it from your spouse. Oh, honey, you want to you you do a Bible study together? What's gotten into you? You want to actually read the Bible together? Well, that's nice, but you know, I'd rather watch my TV program. Why don't you just go do that? I, you, you, you'll get over it. People will criticize you when you get passionate about the Lord. You know that? They will criticize you when you sell out for Jesus. People, some people will encourage you. Some people will cheer you on. Some people will be happy for you when you get excited about Jesus. But some people will criticize you because they won't understand. Why are you giving your time to them again? Are they paying you for that? Oh, they're not? Well, that's weird. What are you doing that for? You're trying to like earn brownie points with God or something? What are you doing? They don't understand. They try to make sense of it in their minds. And they don't get it. And they try to rationalize it in their minds. And you may meet some criticism. Paul definitely met criticism. There were days Paul, I'm sure, was discouraged and thought, man, you know what? There's a lot other things that I would rather be doing than sitting here in this jail cell. But when he would ground himself and remind himself who it is he was serving and why he was doing it, he was able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, whether it be me be locked up in this prison or whether it be me being free and preaching the gospel openly and publicly. He said, I, I can do all of this because Christ gives me my why, and, and, and that why gives me my strength because the why is Christ. It's through Christ 
who strengthens me, who gives me the, the, the ability to continue through weakness and persecution and also through those times of, of great strength as well. It's all from Christ. And he says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Let's read the rest of 2 Timothy, starting in verse 9, chapter 4, verse 9. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychesus, uh, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left with Carpus at Torres, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he is strongly opposed to our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Pris uh, Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. That's my best shot at that, and that's all you're getting. <laughs> Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left you. Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus, do your best to come before winter. This is hard for Southern Arkansas, boy. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as does uh, Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. As we close out 2 Timothy, Paul is communicating to those that he knows not only Timothy's going to read this, but he's sure that others will most likely read it at all. He wants people to know that, listen, God was with me through all these challenges. All these people left me, and he said, I forgive them. I, I don't want to see anything ill come towards them, so, you know, I, I release them from that. He says, but all these people, they left me, they deserted me. I was rescued from the lion's mouth. And even though I felt very alone, he said, God was with me through it. God was with me through those lonely times, the dark times. And folks, God is always with you. Paul was sharing stories about people that were once for him, and, and, and now, you know, they're nowhere around. And the overarching message in these final words is that the Lord is with you, and so is His grace. He said, the grace of the Lord be with you always, forever and ever, because people are going to be for you, and they're going to be against you. And I know you've probably figured this out if you've lived very long, that people are going to be for you, and people are going to be against you, but listen to me this morning. People are going to be for the calling and giftings that God has put on your life, and people are going to be against the calling and the giftings that God has put on your life. Because God has put something on the inside of you. He has invested something on the inside of you. And there are people, man, they're going to high-five you, and they're going to be like, go for it, chase after God. Do what He's called you to do. And they're going to think any attempt that you want to make to better serve the Lord or further dedicate your life to the Lord, they're going to be all for it 110%. Thank God for those people. But then there are going to be those who will oppose you. And then maybe there will be some that were with you in the beginning, but that later on abandon you. 
You don't understand. I thought we were in this together. I, I don't understand. I'm confused. And it can very easily make you want to quit. When you see other people who were once walking with you in the Lord, when you see them fall away or walk away, it can discourage you. Again, it, can make, it can make you want to quit. It can make you want to go, oh, wow, such and such stopped really doing this. Such and such stopped going to church. So and so stopped doing this. Oh, man. I, you begin to question your own calling. You begin to question your own walk with the Lord. You begin to question, well, maybe that was just for that time and season. And the enemy comes in and whispers lies in your ears. And, and man, you just got to understand there's going to be people, man, that are for you. And there's going to be people that are against you. And the thing you've got to remember through it all is that your calling is not based on people. Are you hearing me this morning? Your calling is not based on other people's approval of you. Your calling and your gifting is not based on how big of a crowd you draw or how popular you are, how well-received you are. That doesn't dictate or determine your calling. Only God and God alone is the one who gets to say what giftings He's given you and what your purpose is in life and what He's created you uniquely to do. And He puts opportunities in front of us and He, and he wants us to know you get to be a part of this. We, we have this idea we have this idea that somehow God needs us and we need to get over ourselves because God doesn't need us he's not a needy God he's all sufficient oh believe me he is all sufficient he does not need me to even do what I'm doing I get to do what I'm doing you get to do what you're doing. You get to be in the role that you're in. You get to have the giftings and the callings. It's not something that we should ever feel entitled to. Not something that we should feel like we're doing God a favor. Because, friend, we are not doing God any favors. We get to do this. And we should be humbled and honored and grateful and thankful that the God of the universe sees fit to want to include us in showing his love and his mercy and his goodness and his kindness and his truth to a world that desperately needs him. We should count that a privilege and an honor to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. It's our reasonable act of worship is what scripture says. Your calling is something between you and God and, and there's going to be good times and there's going to be lonely times. People will come and go, but God is faithful. No one would defend Paul. <laughs> he said, no one would defend me. I was all by myself. But God was there. We thank God for the people who stand with us, and there will be people who will stand with you. Thank God for those people. But regardless of whether people stand with you or not, you're never alone. Regardless of whether people stand with you or not, you are never alone. And that's what Paul was telling Timothy. So I want to ask you this question this morning. What has God called you to do? Where has He uniquely placed you in the body of Christ? What has He uniquely gifted you with? What, what neighborhood has He placed you in? What about your work? What about your family? What has He, what has he 
putting in front of you? What opportunity is he set in front of you that he wants you to say yes to? He wants you to accept his call, to stay focused, to remember why you are called, and to remember these final words. Remember these final words that God is with you. And we're going to sing a song here in just a moment. But before we do that, I know you're here this morning. I know that somebody, somewhere, whether you're sitting in this service, whether you're sitting out in the commons area, whether you're someone who's watching online, whether you're someone that's listening to a podcast, I, I don't know how you're receiving this message as it's being preached, but I do know that there are people that are listening to the sound of my voice right now that when you hear messages about being called, when you hear messages about stirring up a gift, when you hear messages about passion and fervently serving the Lord and really, really, really taking your faith seriously and, and not being casual with it, there's something in you that stirs, man. I know you're here today, and there are people that are stirred because of the Word of God and because of the Holy Spirit working on the inside of you in this moment. And I know that there are people that have heard this message today, that there was something at some point in your life that you were stirred to do for the Lord, and you didn't do it. Either you didn't do it because maybe you felt ill-equipped. Maybe a lot of people told you you couldn't do it. Maybe you tried and maybe you failed. I've been there. Maybe you attempted something great for God and didn't work out like you thought it would. And you thought, oh, I guess God wasn't in that. I guess it was just me getting excited. Maybe it was after you, you, you spent some time in prayer. Maybe it was after you heard a message. Maybe it was after you had a certain experience. Maybe you had kind of like, a, like Paul, maybe almost like a road to Damascus experience where you felt like God spoke to you at a certain environment. Maybe it was when you were a kid. Maybe it was at some sort of church service. Maybe it was something that he was doing. And, and you felt God speak to you, man. And you were, you were pumped up about serving the Lord. And you were ready to just do anything for him and just say, God, it's all yours. I, I give it to you. I know you've had those experiences. I know God has spoke to someone in this room that way before. And something caused the fire to get snuffed out of but man, you can snuff a fire out. But Paul told Timothy that the coals are still hot. He said, but you've got to stir it up. You've got to fan into flame the gift. It's still there. The Bible says it's still there. The Word of God says that the callings are without repentance. They're irrevocable. So if, if God has put something in your heart and called you to do something, and, and every time you're in an environment like this and you hear a message like this, and it reminds you of that and it stirs it back up, that means God's not done with you. If you're still breathing in this room today, that means God's not finished with you. 
Some of you God has called to be teachers of the word. Some of you God has called to be pastors. Some of you God has called to be a better neighbor or someone at work that starts a Bible study or someone that goes and, 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 and shares uh, the word with someone or to be someone who serves the kids in our church or to serve in your neighborhood or to love on people or God's put something special in your heart for someone overseas. Man, I don't know what he's done or what he's put in your heart. Maybe some project, maybe some idea. Maybe there's a book there in your heart. Maybe there's songs in your heart that are yet to be written. Maybe there's things that you need to share, things you need to do. And if you're not doing them, man, you're just like Jonah running away from God. Running away from the calling that He's put on your life. And today, you're being faced with those thoughts again. And I know you're here. And I know you're being faced with those thoughts again. And you're being faced with some of those same emotions. Maybe even some of those same fears. Or maybe now you have attached to it some disappointments. Or some negative words that someone has spoken over you. That have kept those gifts and those callings at bay. But let me tell you today that God is always going to be with you. Paul knew people would leave him. Paul knew people weren't always going to get it. And he wanted Timothy to know that too. And God wants you to know that today. So I'm going to ask our prayer team if you guys would go ahead and come up. And we're going to sing this song. And as they're singing the song, yeah, prayer team, go ahead and come. As they're, as, as they're singing this song today, we're going to be singing about how deep the Father's love is for us. If you need prayer for anything, if God is calling you to, to do something, and, and it's time for you to step out and maybe get stretched and maybe get uncomfortable. Maybe you let one of our prayer team partners pray with you. Or maybe today is the day of salvation for you where you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You really never made that decision. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, but you've never made that decision. Today is your day where you say, yes, Lord, here am I. I want to trust you. I want to put my faith in you. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I want to take up my cross and follow you. And you want to get serious about it. Maybe there's some pain and some woundedness attached to the gifting and the calling because maybe you've been wounded there before. Maybe in church, maybe by another pastor, maybe you've been wounded by a person that called themselves a Christian. Maybe you've been wounded by a spouse. Maybe you've been wounded by others that have spoken negatively into your life and God's saying, I want you to be free from that. He wants you to be, let us pray with you. Would you just, would you, would you just move out of a place of comfort? And maybe this is your stretching today is just to let someone pray with you. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. So I want everybody, why don't you go ahead and stand? And we're going to sing how deep the Father's love is for us. Because if we really recognize how deep His love truly is for us, it should call us to want to abandon everything. Because in light of His great love, it just makes sense for us to give our bodies, our lives, our everything as a living sacrifice, to take up our cross and follow Him. Let's worship Him. Would you come today? Turns his face away 
sin upon his shoulders ashamed I hear my mocking voice called among the scoffers it was my sin that held him good that you are we thank you for how gracious that you are to us and that grace and that goodness should stir us and should inspire us and call us to give everything for you because you're worth everything and so much more lord we thank you for your grace we thank you for your love towards us how deep is the father's love towards us why should we gain from your reward lord we can't give an answer but Lord, we thank you that we know with all of our heart that your wounds have paid our ransom. Thank you, Jesus, for doing what only you could do by coming yourself from your throne, wrapped in flesh, to bear the weight of my sin and the sin of the world. Thank you that we are free in Jesus. It just makes sense in light of the mercies of God to present our lives as a living sacrifice. Help us, Lord, to lose our lives for the sake of the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.